What if you were able to sit down for lunch with some of the greatest leaders in the world? What would you ask? What would they say? Welcome to the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where you're invited to join us in learning the spiritual principles behind big success. Here's your host, Mike Lynch. Welcome to episode 71 of the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where we sit down with some of America's greatest leaders and find out how they lead with their faith out in front. If I've never met you before, my name is Mike Lynch, and it is my honor to be on this leadership journey with you as we're all seeking to be the leaders that we were created to be in the space and the place that God has put us. Well, today is going to be a special day. Today, we get to sit down with a gentleman who has a brand new book coming out about dreams and about chasing what God has in your heart and the purpose that he created you for. And what I love about this gentleman is he has lived out everything he has written in his book. Today's guest will be Joshua Gagnon. Josh is the pastor of Next Level Church. It's one of the fastest growing churches in America. And also one of the churches that started in part of our country that doesn't have a lot of growing churches. And what Josh has done has been unbelievable. His journey, he's chronicled in his new book, It's Not Over. If you're at a place of trying to figure out where where your dreams have gone, or maybe you feel like your dreams have hit a detour or a delay, this book is for you. Anyone in leadership has walked through the journey that Josh is going to take us on in his new book. And I am so excited for you to listen in. So I want you to pull up a chair. You're going to grab something to write with or something to type on. And I want you to listen in to my conversation with pastor and author, Josh Gagnon. Well, Josh, it is an honor to have you on this episode of Lynch with a Leader. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks so much, Mike. Thanks for having me. You know, it's not it's not a lot I get to have a fellow pastor on. This is this is an unusual deal. We're we're an unusual breed, man. So you you uh you're a special guy and I appreciate all that you're doing to make a difference for the kingdom. Yeah, it's definitely a risk on your behalf. You never know what you're gonna get when you get a pastor <laughs> on. <laughs> well, we're we're used to monologues. That's the great thing. We're used to just talking to nobody, not even knowing if somebody's gonna ask a question or not. <laughs> Exactly. (laughs) You've got a brand new book out called It's Not Over, and I love it. Why? And it's all about our dreams. Why is it so easy for a leader not to not to stick in and keep fighting for their dreams? Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know this, Mike, it is actually really hard to continue to chase after what it is that you believe that God's planted in your heart or for a leader to keep chasing after what they believe they were created for. I mean, the reality is, is, is we face major resistance, major disappointment. Our hearts are broken over and over and over again. I mean, any leader listening to this, whether it's the business world, the church world, sporting world, we know this. We know that that our hearts are often broken in the journey towards seeing what we feel like we've been created to see. And it can become tiring. You know, there's been plenty of times where I've found myself on the shower floor just crying and and it's in those moments at that crossroads where, where leaders are, are stuck in a place where they have to choose whether to keep going after what they believe they've been created to go after or they throw in the towel and, 
And I think it's unfortunate. Far too many people throw in the towel in quarter one when God's called us to finish the entire game. We hear it all the time in sports, right? We've got to right. play all 40 minutes. We've got to finish the game. We've got to finish the game. And everybody knows when it comes to a sporting event, you've got to finish all four quarters in order to, to win or to give yourself the best chance at winning. But when it comes to our everyday life, I wonder if sometimes we're guilty of of getting halfway through the first quarter when God's called us to live an entire lifetime of faithfulness. We get through a little bit of that first quarter with that dream heavy in our heart, and then we we start to wonder if we're going to win, and we start playing a little uh, softer. We start praying a little quieter. We start yeah. dreaming a little slower. And so, you know, for me, the reason I wrote this book, it's not necessarily just to go chase after crazy dreams. I, I mean, like, for instance, ending world hunger is a great dream, but this book isn't necessarily pointing people to that. It's pointing people to not give up on the hopes and dreams they have in front of them based on the hurts and expectations of the past. And so um, if you're a leader, you've faced hurts and expectations have been crumbled at times. And uh, my prayer is we wouldn't give up on that in that first quarter, Mike. You know, you told a great story in your book about Colonel Sanders, Kentucky Fried Chicken. You know, I live here in the South, so people down here think it's only Chick-fil-A, but there really is a Kentucky Fried Chicken out there. (laughs) Tell tell everybody a little bit about what inspired you out of that story about Colonel Sanders. Yeah, him finishing at a later age. I mean, I mean, he 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 spent years of his life chasing after a dream only to see it crumble. He had a successful restaurant going where he was selling this chicken, and then the, the, the government came and put a highway right through where his restaurant was, and he loses his restaurant, but he doesn't give up. And it's it's in the fourth quarter where Colonel Sanders sees. God moved in amazing ways in his life. And he was a believer in God. And, and he did have a God-sized dream, something that couldn't get you know put out by us by, by, by a small wind. And I love that story. It's like, you know, I'm from New England, so let's just keep it real. It's when the Patriots come back down 28 to 3. Oh, I mean. stop. Okay, we're going to go ahead and cut this off now, man. That's hurtful now. That's hurtful. It's those moments where, That's man, right. it's those moments where, man, you were supposed to lose. That business was supposed to fail. You were not supposed to sell that crispy chicken anymore. All the odds were against you. And he drove from store to store in his car at an older age in his 60s because he still believed that if God gave him breath in his lungs, his dream was worth chasing. And so for me, I feel like to open with that story and say, hey, listen, it doesn't matter where you're at, whether you're in your teens or whether you're in your 90s. The reality is that you can still get in your car and chase after what God's planted in your heart. When did you begin to dream? So you you've you've got a leadership bent to you. When did those dreams start becoming real for you? Yeah, well, I've, I grew up I grew up playing sports, and so um, I played sports my whole life. I played some uh, sports in college, and so for me, just always um, dreaming and having passion. Um, was just something that was a part of me. I dreamt about being in the NBA. Unfortunately, I woke up one day, looked at my height, and realized it wasn't going to happen. But, but I mean, I can shoot the ball, Mike. I can shoot the ball. Oh, that's so, great. And so I had this dream in my heart, you know, and I've always been a dreamer. I've always been a dreamer. And as far as leadership goes, you know, it's funny. God always prepares you for what he's prepared for you. And so my dad owns a drywall company and he would build, I hated drywall, but I would work for him. And before long at 16 years old, I'm running his drywall crews. Men in their forties and fifties are listening to me. And, and, and it's just been this leadership development plan that God had for me that I didn't see in me. And then, you know, I had the opportunity to, to start a church in 2008 in America's least churched region. That's right. Um, and we were able to start a church. We had zero dollars, zero people, and I'd never been to Bible school. Go ahead and add up that equation, see if it's going to be successful. <laughs> and, uh, 
and by God's grace, we've we've seen a lot of growth and we've seen lives changed. And so that's just my dream. It doesn't mean, you know, that that's everybody's dream, but we all have one. You talked about, and I, and I love what you, and I was writing down, he prepares you what he prepares you for what he prepared you for. Mm-hmm. Are you glad you didn't know the things you didn't know? So when you started the church and for those that, that are in the other world and they, they've never started a church, it is, it is literally starting a business from scratch, yeah. except you're depending on volunteers to run it, not paid people. Um, are you glad you didn't know now? Are there some things you're saying, God probably protected me that I didn't know what the failure rate could have been? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we, I didn't even know when I started Next Level Church that we were in the least church region of America. If you look at all the statistics, it's the hardest place to, to start the church that I started. And for all of our business leaders, like you said, it's the same idea. Yep. It was the hardest. It's almost like it's almost like starting a, a snowmobile company in Florida, right? It was, <laughs> it, was, it was a real, real, real tough move. And I didn't even know. I had no idea, statistically speaking, the odds were against me. I had no clue. And, and yeah, I think, I think it, was, it, was, it, was, it was good for me not to understand some of the things that I had going against me. Because isn't that what often, isn't that what often derails us? It's That's not right. even that we're not seeing it with our own eyes. It's that everybody else is talking us out of our dream. Mm-hmm. Or, or we just feel like the odds are so stacked against us that our dream will never become a reality. I think social media adds to that quite a bit, right? It, it adds to this feeling of everybody else is succeeding. I'm not like everybody else. So what I'm going to do probably won't measure up. The business I'm going to start won't make it because this other business leader has these gifts and I don't. That's right. And I think it's, I think the safest place we can ever be is, is in a place where we're not comparing ourselves to everybody else's dream, but we're staying faithful to the one God planted in our heart for sure. You know, I love in your book how you talked about the importance of people God brings around you and how they will they will not just determine the dream, but they will really be vital in helping you achieve it. And God brought a huge person in your life named Gordon McDonald, uh, an accomplished author, incredible leader, world recognized. What has a friendship like that done to you and for you in the chasing of your dreams? Yeah, Gordon's a Gordon's a great friend of mine. You know, when it comes to when it comes to our dreams, I, in the book I talk about different relationships, different types of people that we all encounter. Now, it's really important to understand we have these people in our lives. How we protect against these people and the guardrails we build in these relationships is what's important. So I list different different types of relationships. I talk about vampires in the book, and I talk about how in life we're all going to encounter vampires, and those are the people that slowly suck the life out of us. Right? Those are those mm-hmm. those. They're not bad people. They're not bad people. They're not even really meaning to do it. But when you get around them, you just feel more negative. They always say that critical thing you're having a good day and they remind you why you're probably going to fail. Right. It's like, man, I know you didn't really mean to be that person right now, but you're sucking the life. And every time you leave that conversation or leave their presence, you just feel a little bit drained. Now, once again, we're going to have these people in our life, Mike, we're not going to avoid them. It's how we manage these relationships. Sure. That's important. And then uh, another person I talk about are zombies in the book. And these are the type of people that are just going to straight out lead you down the wrong path. This could be somebody at the office who's giving you the attention you probably shouldn't be receiving. Uh, this is going to be that that person who's inviting you to do things you probably shouldn't be doing. This is going to be that moment in life where you're given opportunities to walk away into a different direction that you know won't ultimately lead you into the dream God's called you to. Those, those zombies in our life are people who are going to distract us and bring harm to us. And then I talk about sidekicks. 
and uh, sidekicks like Batman and Robin. Uh, everybody needs a Robin in their life. People who are for us. Now, here's the danger with saying that, Mike. A lot of people think, well, then we can't have anybody in our life speaking truth. Like, like what do you mean? You, you need everybody just to say yes, yes, yes. And I would say no. People saying no is fine. And here's my rule when it comes to a sidekick. Here's my rule when it comes to relationships. You're not allowed to speak into my dream unless you're willing to sweat into my dream. Mm, mm, you can't speak boy, into good. my dream unless you're willing to sweat into my dream. I'm fine with you telling me that I'm on the wrong path. I'm fine with you telling me that I'm, I'm doing this or that incorrectly. I'm fine with that, but you're going to have to sweat. You're not going to be the dude or the, or the lady in the stands with ketchup and mustard on your face, screaming at me on the field. Now that's not, those aren't the relationships that are going to define me. You're welcome to be on the team sweating and look at me and say, Hey man, you're running the wrong route. You're, you're, you're acting incorrectly. You're, you're acting prideful. You're willing to call out my junk. I just want to make sure that you're sweating with me in the midst of seeing that dream come true. We all need those Robins in our life, those relationships that do life alongside of us. And then the last one was heroes. And this is to answer uh, your question. Like uh, Gordon McDonald would be a hero in my life. And we all need heroes. Heroes are people who, 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 are, who are targets that we're aiming at. Heroes are people that are living a life that we someday desire to live. And so I get together with Gordon McDonald all the time. And uh, when we're at breakfast and we're hanging out, spending time together, uh, we don't talk about, in my world, ministry. Or for our listeners, it could be their, their work, their business. We, we wouldn't talk about that. What we talk about is our soul, our heart. And he always says things like this in our last conversation. He said, you know, Josh, this morning I held my wife Gail a little bit tighter. And I looked at him, I looked at him, he said, she's aging and I'm aging. She's aging a little bit quicker than I am, Josh. And this morning when I woke up, I just held her because I'm not sure how many more days I have left of holding her. Now, when your hero says that, like I'm not in my 80s, but when I got home, my wife, Jennifer, I was chasing her around the house trying to hold her, right? I was like, oh man, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a horrible husband. Get over here. I need to hold you. Ah, that's great. And so heroes are those people in our life that are living the life we someday hope to live. And it's important for us to have those in our life. It could be a mentor. It could be a, a, a fellow business person that we admire, an athlete we admire, a leader, someone in ministry we admire. They're living the life we hope to someday live. Sidekicks are living alongside of us. Mm -hmm. And so it's important to have those relationships in check. Do, does, the, does the ability to keep heroes in your life... Does the does that relationship help you expand your dreams and help you chase better the dreams that God's created you for, you think? Yeah, I think it keeps us on point, right? So it keeps us it keeps us in check. Like when I hear him talk about his marriage, it inspires me to finish well in a strong marriage. When I hear him, he'll talk to me about his fine. He has 11 financial principles he lives by and he goes through them all the time with me. When I hear him talk about those, it forces me to have to look inside and make sure that financially I'm being wise. And there are so many other things. So, so I think just, just aligning yourself up with heroes allows you to run the race um, better conditioned That's so that good. you can actually get to where it is you're hoping to go. It's, it's very dangerous you know, to be that runner who's burning out in the first mile of, of, of a 12 mile race, right? We have to make sure that these heroes are teaching us how to get to the 12th mile. And I think that's what heroes who have ran before us can teach us what to do. It wasn't until the four minute mile was broken that we started breaking it. And it was because we learned what one man did in order to teach us all how to run that better. Does God give every person the ability to dream? Do you think he's placed a God given dream within every person's heart? And if so, 
why do some people choose to chase theirs and others people go, well, I don't yeah. know if I, if I've got anything. Yeah. I think that God in and of himself is a dreamer, right? I think he, 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 he dreamt of his creation mm. and he, and we're created in his image. And so I, I absolutely believe that when we are created and here's the thing, we all know this at five years old, we dreamt of being uh, a ballerina or we dreamt of, uh, of being an astronaut or a fireman or a fire, you know, we dreamt of, uh, of being a mom, a dad, like we had dreams when we were kids. That's why my kids run around the house, like superheroes jumping off stairs. They should never be jumping off of and getting injured. It's because deep inside of us, we all feel like we were created for more than what it is we're doing or living. We were all created for more. That's, that's this thing that's within inside of us. Like you'll, you'll very rarely find a kid that's not dreaming of being something different than they currently are. And that's this dream and aspiration to be something greater. I think that's a God-given wire wiring. But it's only through the injuries of life that in our 20s, 30s, 50s, 60s, all of a sudden the dreams no longer exist because the past talks us out of believing those dreams can become a reality. Right, My kids are too young at times to believe that they can't be, you know, my, my kid wants to be, a, I can't remember the name of it, whatever that person is that uh, researches dinosaurs. I can't think of the actual whatever. So that's what he, he, he wants to be that. Like he's not going to, come on. Like that's probably not going to happen. However, there's no limits to his imagination right now. The only reason our, our imagination, we think it's maturity that limits our imagination. I think it's wounds that damage mm. our imagination. Mm. You know, we outgrow the ability to believe that tomorrow can be greater based on the hurts in the past of yesterday. And that's a dangerous place that's to live, dangerous. Mike, right? And yeah. I do it. I don't know about you, but I do yep. it. Like just keeping it 100, like I was praying when I started Next Level in 2008, I would pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. And as years went on and I didn't see what it was I thought I'd see in the timing I thought I'd see it, well, I scaled down that dream to just a skeleton of what it used to be. Why? Because past experiences teach me that it's probably not going to happen. And that's a dangerous place to live. And I think, I think it's the people who can truly continue to believe in the face of adversity resist, and resistance and past expectations um, not coming through uh, that end up actually seeing greater things than we could ever imagine. I love your point, and I think it ties into that so well. You talked about many struggle chasing their dreams because they focus on who they are instead of who God is. Yeah. How does that happen in our lives? We we begin our lives focused on who God is and and the he can fling the stars in space and do all those things. And then we end up looking in the mirror going, well, there's me. How do you keep yourself focused on who God is and not on just who you are and your frailties? Yeah, I think I think that's a difficult thing to do. It's something I'm still trying to learn. There's a, a story in the Bible that I love. Uh, Peter um, walks on water, and um, and you don't you know it's one of the popular Bible stories. Jesus calls Peter out to walk on water, and Peter walks on water. Peter ends up sinking, which he gets a bad rap for that, which I don't understand why. I mean, the dude walked on water. It's more than I can say. And uh, it says that that when when Peter saw the winds and waves, he began to sink. That's right. And one of the things that 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 I've realized is, is I begin to sink when I look at the winds and waves. But when I keep my eyes on Jesus, I'm able to accomplish more than I ever could. Now, let me go a little bit deeper because that's totally preachy and pastory. So let's get, let's make this more, more, more tangible and touchable. Like we've, as kids, we experienced a wave in our life that, 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 that caused us to take on water and lose oxygen. We've experienced wind. We, we know water is dangerous right? It's not until you experience a wave or until someone fears you into that wave or into the understanding of a wave that you actually fear a wave. 
I think what happens as we grow up in life is, man, we've experienced a lot of wind and we've experienced a lot of waves and we are really fearful of having to encounter them again because they hurt. Mm. And what happens is, is it's so easy to pay all of our attention on the winds and waves because they've really stung rather than focus on Jesus. And I know that in my life, I've taken on the identity that the winds and waves want to sell me. I've taken on the failures that the winds and waves want to remind me of. I've taken on the statistics that the winds and waves want me to believe in. I've often received my identity and my hope or hopelessness in the winds and waves. And I'm taking my eyes off of Jesus and who he says I am. And I'm placing them on what the winds and waves want to remind me of myself. And so, you know, I think that's the correlation between those two realities where if you keep your eyes on Jesus and who he says you are and the dreams he's planted in your life, you'll go a lot further. I'm not here to guarantee dreams. I'm just saying you're surely going to go further in the path towards that dream than staring at what the winds and the waves are trying to teach you. You know, you would think when somebody begins to chase their dreams that everybody would come alongside you and applaud and go, God, we're so proud of you. You are you are doing what God created you to do. But the reality is sometimes the greater the dream, the greater the critic. Yeah. Talk absolutely. to me about how to handle criticism and how to handle critics when you're chasing after that dream you believe God put in your heart. Yeah, I've never heard a critic talk somebody out of something that wasn't or that that was small, right? We, we right. never hear a critic talking somebody out of something that makes sense, but it takes people willing to step out into the reality of what doesn't make sense in order to see the impossible. When I started Next Level Church, I was on the tenth hall of a golf course, and uh, I had never told anybody that I wanted to be a pastor. Like I said, I went to college for pre-law, criminal justice, sports—that's my focus. And I get out of college and I start going to church for my mom. And then I meet Jesus there and uh, God starts putting on my heart to go into ministry. And I'm like, I ha- I'm not even, how am I going to go into ministry? I never went to Bible school, never did any of this. And uh, I'm building up the courage. And I finally go to my pastor on the 10th hole of a golf course. Finally, tell him the first person I ever told, I say, pastor, I think I really want to go into ministry. He says, I don't think that's what God has for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, like I can see where oh he was my coming gosh. from. I can see where he was coming from. Like I, I'm an introvert. I was just athletics. I had never spoken in public, you know, on and on and on. Like it, I was never that guy, you know yeah. what I mean? And, uh, and, and so I could see where he's coming from. I certainly didn't live a life up to that point that would lead him to think that I was some uh, special person for ministry. And, um, and in that moment, you know, that was a harsh criticism. Like that stung to, to mm. my core. Um, but it was in that moment that I realized, and, and I did tell a couple people, and, and, and someone wise in my life said, did you expect when you released the idea of a, of a God-sized dream, did you expect for it not to face resistance? Mm. Did mm. you expect for people to not criticize it? Basically saying, don't be concerned when people criticize your dreams. Be concerned when your dreams are so small, they're not worthy of criticism. Well, that's good. That is so good. And so in that moment, and, and like, don't get me wrong, Mike, like, you know this, it stings. You yeah. receive criticism, I receive criticism, and our listeners do. It stings. But man, I can't let somebody talk me out of what God's called me to do based on their critique. I have to stay true to what God's called me to do. And so, yeah, we started the church uh, even still, and, and uh, the, it's, it's been okay. <laughs> <laughs> So in that, in that you, you get the criticism and then there's parts of chasing a dream. Sometimes that you walk through disappointment and failure. Those are just pieces and, and valleys that we walk through in the dream. Why is failure 
something that you will always be experiencing as a dreamer. If somebody said, man, it's not over, I'm chasing it, but then they experience another failure. Why is failure always tied into it? Yeah, it's always part of the recipe. Uh, There's no such thing as a life outside of failure, but failure really is the greatest avenue towards growth, right? That's where I've learned the most of myself is through the failures that I've faced. That's where I've grown the most. And um, I think... I think when you look at anything that that soars, whether it's a bird, whether it's a plane, resistance is required for something to soar. And I think when it comes to our dreams, resistance is part of the recipe. It's required in order for us to soar to greater heights. I mean, even with this book, right? It's here I am writing a book called It's Not Over. Well, let me tell you how this book, let me tell you a little bit. Three years ago, I have an agent reach out to me. I'm pastoring a growing church and an agent reaches out and says, you need to write a book. Like you need to write a book. I can help you get a book deal. Now, I had a dream in my heart to someday write a book, but I wasn't searching for anybody. Yeah. They came to me. And we go out and we, we put that book out in front of all the major publishing companies in the country, just selling the book, selling the book. I did the whole book proposal. I'm praying. And we're getting no after no after no. People are saying Christian audience in New England is the smallest in America. A book will never do good from an author from there. Another said, I'm not sure you can even write. And I was like, mm, I'm not, yeah. <laughs> neither am I. <laughs> yeah, neither am I. I was like, okay. And so on and on. Finally, my agent got back to me and said, all the leads have dried up. Uh, everything's a no. That was about three years ago. And I got in the shower and I was like, God, I didn't even search down this opportunity. Mm. Mm. came to me. I thought this was an opener. You know that I have a dream in my heart. Now this felt like major failure, major failure. It stung. Like I didn't even tell my wife for a week after I got the no, because I didn't even want to show her how much of a failure I was. And I was just dealing with so much like, man, I, I can't believe this because I had told everybody an agent reached out. I told not everybody, but those close to me, an agent reached out. So like yeah. now, they're, now I'm going to be like, well, that agent actually found out that I suck. You know what I mean? So it was like, you know, it was like, this, is, this isn't going to be too good. So about a year later, I get an email and the email is from another agent and this agent's um, well known and says, have you considered writing a book? Well, I didn't reply to that email for one year. Mm. Because I did not want to face that failure again. Finally, I replied and I said, I can't put this passion out. I can't put this fire out. I knew it was inside of me. I tried to kill it all the time. Every time I think I should reach back and I I should write a book. I know I feel like God wants me to write a book. There's a dream. I'd be like, no, I'm not going to go through those no's again. I'm not going through the failure again. Well, this publisher uh, went out and sold the book to publishers and we had six wonderful book offers. And and, and here's what I say. I'll have to say. The It's Not Over book that I believe is going to inspire and encourage many never would be the book it is today Mm. had I not received a no three years ago. And let me just say this. The book I was going to write three years ago was horrible. It wouldn't have been a good book. It it, it wasn't my best. This book was born out of the three years of pain. And so I would just say for everybody listening, and your business feels like it's, it's not going the direction you hoped, for everybody listening, Listen, God may be doing more through you or in you than he's doing through you. So eventually he can do through you more than you could ever imagine. God has to do more in us often so that he can do more through us someday. The problem is, is we expect God to do through us, through us, through us, through us, through us. But if we're always looking for God to do something through us, when does he ever do something in us? And so it's not over was born out of God doing something in me so that now he could do something through me. And all of your listeners today, that's the truth. He's doing more in you right now so that he can do more through you Mm. in the future. 
You made a statement in the book that ties in with that so well, Josh. You, you talked about failure and you talked about disappointments. And you said the root of serious disappointment is unsurrendered expectations. Mm. Man, talk to me about that. What, what, unpack that a little bit for me. Yeah, I looked up disappointment in the dictionary and uh, discouragement in the dictionary, and that word shows up every time, expectations, wow. expectations, expectations. And so that soul sickness, that heart sickness, that discouragement, that despair we often feel, I realized, man, it's, it's, it's really born out of expectations that have gone unmet. It's I expected something to happen, but it didn't happen. I expected that dream to become a reality, but it didn't happen. I expected that business to take off, but it didn't happen. And it's only when you really expect something and it doesn't happen that it really causes discouragement and disappointment. Like I don't become discouraged over, you know, Kentucky Fried Chicken only handing me eight tenders instead of 12. Right. Like I may get frustrated. I'm like, oh my goodness, where's my chicken tenders? You know, like I may get upset, but I drive away and I'm fine. When I really expect God to move and I really expect God to be there and I really expect change and results and it doesn't happen, that's when I get sick. That's when I feel my heart is broken. And we see this throughout the Bible. Uh, we see moments where people like Mary and Martha, mm. who have a brother named Lazarus who is sick, they're friends with Jesus. And Jesus doesn't show up to heal their brother. And it's then they start saying, where were you? It's then when we start seeing their discouragement and despair start to take a part of their life. And so, um, you know, that expectation is a major word. We have to continue to remind ourselves that our expectations have to be grounded in God before they're grounded in us. Mm. And I can expect something to happen. That's fine. That's part of, that's part of a dream. But I have to surrender that expectation to God. My expectations have to be surrendered. So that looks like, God, I believe that you're going to do this this year, and I'm going to work hard to see this this year. I'm going to pray hard to see this year. I'm going to big, dig deep, deep ditches and trust that you're going to send some rain this year and fill those ditches. But here's the thing, God. My expectations are surrendered to you. Mm. I trust that this dream is going to become a reality, whether or whether or not you do what I expect this year. So my job is faithfulness, God. I'll leave you to the fruitfulness. Boy, that's good. In that in that failure, uh, disappointment, that word resistance. That's a great word. You don't hear that word used a lot. We yeah. get it. We don't. We don't hear it used. You put a quote in the book. Many of us have two lives: the life we live and the unlived life within us. Between those two stands resistance, and that's Stephen Pressfield's great quote. Is there ever a point in your journey? So here you are. You guys are one of the fastest growing churches in America. I recognize by Outreach Magazine. You're doing phenomenal things. This book's going to crush it. Will Josh, from this point, well, we're just going to speak it in existence. Come on, come on, brother. You're, you're going to be with Kerry Newhoff. If it goes Kerry Newhoff, you'll be great. That's you know, it'll, it'll turn out great. Man. He is so yeah. awesome. So will there be a point as a leader, resistance won't hit you? Do you think that we finally, man, once we get through the big one, we just from then on never get resistance again? Or do you think it's something a leader will always have to process and deal with? Yeah, I think that I think the level of re resistance we're willing to push through will dire directly result in the life that we're able That's to good. live. Like I really believe I don't I, resistance never ends. I mean, we can look at some of the greatest uh, sports stars in the world and then their knee goes out and they have to fight their way back. Right. We, we, we often look at success absent 
of resistance. But I believe that resistance is wrapped up in success. They they run together. And so, no, absolutely. I think resistance is always there. You know, that idea of resistance that you talk about came from a moment where I was at the Tampa Zoo and there was an eagle um, uh, at the Tampa Zoo. And my kids said, Dad, come check out this eagle. And I ran over to look at it. And, um, and it had, it was inside of a, a space with no, with no roof and no walls, just sitting on a stump. And so I looked over and I'm like, what in the world? Like, what's this thing doing? And I read that this bird has been injured and can no longer fly. Mm. And I just stared at this eagle. And for like 10 minutes, I'm looking at this eagle and I could see it just like looking up at the sky and looking around and it's on this stump. And, and, and I started to think, man, does it ever remember what it felt like to fly? Does it ever look up at other birds and think, man, I used to be like you? Like this eagle was meant to soar, yet it's living its life on, this, on a stump. And, and that's when like this idea of resistance hit me where, where the very thing an eagle needs to soar is resistance. The very thing it needs to soar is resistance. And when it comes to the dreams in our lives, we cannot see resistance as dead ends. We have to see resistance as crossroads. Mm-hmm. And the crossroad is, will I continue to push through or will I bow down to what it is I'm facing? And sometimes, let's just be honest, sometimes dreams die. And, right. some, and, sometimes, and sometimes that crossroad you have to take and it's going to put, you know, point you in a different direction. But that's okay. Resistance can point us in different directions. It just can't point us away from God's plan for our life. You know, I don't know if you know the author and and speaker, Sam Chand, but Sam in his book, I don't know if you've ever read Leadership Pain, the greatest spiritual book I've ever read as a pastor. Mm. He he makes a comment in there, we will only grow to the threshold of our pain. Mm. We will only develop to the point we are willing to quit. Mm. That resistance, man, that just painted such a great picture in our brain of what we will all face in leadership, whether it's planning a church, growing a business, but then you're a dad. Here you are, mm. you're raising two sons. Yeah, You know that resistance and failure is part of the journey for you. How hard is it as a father not to protect your kids from those things, yes. but to let them experience. Talk to me about that, man. That, that's, that's super hard. It's a good question because uh, I'm actually facing it in different ways right now. Um, both my boys are, are golfers mm-hmm. and uh, they're 12 and 11. And so they're playing in tournaments now. And um, man, I, my, my wife, Jennifer has had to tell me to calm down a little bit because, you know, I'm out there with them and I'm, I'm like shaking, you know, here they up, here they are, they get their driver in their hand, they're getting ready to tee off on a certain hole. And I'm like, Hey, aim more left. And, and I'm doing every, keep your head down. And, mm. and I'm doing everything I possibly can from the, from the stands. Right. So that they don't have to face disappointment, That's so right. that they don't have to face rejection or embarrassment. And it's been something that I've been learning and, and, um, and, and, and I've realized that, that my kids have to gain this type of endurance when it comes to these type of feelings in order for them to go further than they ever could. And so, you know, you want to protect your kids and it's almost like God, right? You wonder if when God looks down at us, he's like, man, I I know you have to go, you're going to have to hit that ball a little out of bounds right now, or you're going to make a decision right now. I know the pain you're facing leading that church, that business right now. I know when you're looking at your family right now and the brokenness within it, but, but I want you to know that, that you're growing in a level of endurance. That's not only going to inspire you to greater things. It's going to inspire others who are watching you to do greater things. And so, yeah, it's, it's been a, it's been a learning, a learning curve because I want to protect my kids, but but I also understand that the the level of endurance they grow in this stage in age, this day and age in their life will, will take them further. You know, Craig Rochelle, who's a 
a friend and pastor of mine. Uh, he leads a, a large church in, in our country. He says um, that, that pain is a constant companion, mm. that, that, that pain is a leader's constant companion. That's right. And I think that that's something that we have to understand. So it's, and when he said that to me, I really embraced it. So every time I felt pain, instead of resenting God or wanting to quit, I just said, well, this was what I signed up for. And it's how I get through this pain that will define my future. It's not the absence of pain that defines me. It's how I endure pain that will define me. Yeah, I heard Ravi Zechariah say uh, when I had him on the podcast, Ravi said, I never trust a leader without a limp. Yeah. Boy, there's a there's a lot of truth in that because you know they've they've been weathered and and they've lived it and they're still walking. There's a mm-hmm. lot for just I, I, we tell this all the time. You know when I first began ministry, gosh, I'm 51 now. When I first began ministry back in my 20s, I wanted to be the I wanted to be the first guy across the finish line. But now yeah. in in my early 50s, I just want to finish. You know, yeah. so many guys don't they don't get through the resistance. They don't get through the failures, which we all have over and over and over again. What's a dream that's still inside your heart? You know, it's not over for you. You want the the best to be out your front windshield, not in the rearview mirror. What's a dream God still got in your heart, Josh? You know, I'd say my, my biggest dream, and not to you know sound corny or, or, or cliche, is is really I do want to finish strong. And mm. and those that know me would know that those aren't just words. And I'm not saying I will by God's grace I will. That's but right. Those are those are really 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 does matter to me. Like you know, today is my my wife's birthday at the time we're, on the day we're recording this. And, and, uh, I had many recordings today and, um, the only way that I could go with my wife for her to enjoy her favorite meal, uh, of her birthday was to get up super early, get the family out the door super early and be back home for a nine fifteen phone call. Um, but I wanted to make sure we went out for breakfast because we mm-hmm. do that every year. And, and I even told myself if I can't uh, make if I can't be back in time, then my other obligations are going to suffer, not yeah. her. And so for me, I really want to finish strong. I don't want to sacrifice my, my I don't want to sacrifice my family on the chase of, to, towards success. And so my dream is to, 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 to finish strong and have kids that love mom and dad and for, uh, um, for Jennifer and I to, to, to love one another. Obviously a dream of mine would be for this book to, to do well and for God to use this book to inspire others to, to continue to live with hope and pursue what God's created them to pursue. Uh, I want to see next level church continue to grow. And, and so, yeah, I, I, there's definitely, uh, definitely a lot of, a lot of dreams in my heart. Here's a cool thing about dreams. Mike. you know, when God gives you a dream, sometimes I think he just gives you a little piece of a dream in your heart, because if you saw the entire thing, mm. I think you'd probably bow out pretty quick. Right. Oh, so, good. so like the dream of next level church for me, when we first started was 100 people. And now, you know, it's, we want to see more people than that give their life to Christ and change. That, that was one of my dreams. And so it's funny, like my dream that God has given me has increased along the, the level of my faithfulness. Well, so good. the longer I've been faithful, the more that God has, 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 has increased my dream and even at times uh, changed my dream, right? It, the more I mature, the more I see my dream differently. And so once again, it's that entire process of God doing a lot through us. What would you tell a leader today that's that's driving into work? They're on the treadmill. They're they're walking in their neighborhood or uh, getting getting ready for a busy day at the office, but got their headphones in, listening to this podcast, and they've got the white flag in their pocket. They're going, you know what? I don't. I think my best days are behind me, not in front of me. What would you tell them? Yeah, one of the one of the stories in the book, and, and something I'm super passionate about, is this illustration. And I, I'll finish. 
I'll finish this thought, finish it with this thought this, my kids love Legos. So I bring them into the Lego store and, and they look at all the different Lego sets. And, and whenever you look at a Lego box, you see the outside of the, of the, of the box with the complete Lego set, the full picture. It's completed. It looks perfect. It looks beautiful. Well, my kids brought me over and like, dad, look at this picture. Look at this one. It's 4,124 pieces. And I'm like, 4,124 <laughs> pieces, man. Like, are you kidding me? They're like, dad, can we get it, please? Can we get it? And uh, I said, all right, we'll buy it. So we came home and they opened up the Lego box and all the pieces fall out on the table. You know, on the outside of that Lego box, that picture looks beautiful. Mm. But the reality is, is on the inside of the Lego box, there's 4,124 pieces in order to see that picture become a reality. You know, the same is true when it comes to God-sized dreams, when it comes to hope for our future. You know, every listener right now has a dream in their heart that they see. And it could be an internal dream. It could be restoration of a relationship. It could be overcoming insecurity. It could be financial freedom. It could be the business they're starting or the business they're a part of. It could be a ministry. And in their heart right now, they can see that dream like the outside of a Lego box. They see. They see what it would look like. They can, they can, they can literally, with their mind's eye, put themselves in a position of where they see that dream actually becoming a reality. The problem is, is, is when God gives us that dream, it doesn't come fully put together. He gives us 4,124 pieces of faithfulness, obedience, discipline, long-suffering, endurance, hope that we have to continue to push through daily. And so that listener right now that's walking or in the car, wherever they're at, yeah, you're holding on to one piece of that dream today. But be faithful with that one piece of the 4,124 pieces today because the only way to ever see the outside of the Lego box become a reality is to faithfully each day put each piece in the right place. And sometimes you might even put some pieces in the wrong place. The good news is you can back it out, you can take it apart, and you can start again. And so I would say be faithful, let God be fruitful, and continue building the dream you see in your heart. Far too many leaders expect in a moment what God desires for them to chase for a lifetime. Don't underestimate what God can do in the immediate and, 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 and don't overestimate what God can do in the immediate and underestimate what God can do in a lifetime of faithfulness. Continue putting the pieces in place and you'll see that dream in your heart. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Josh. What an incredible leader. I am so thankful he took the time to take his story, to take his journey from something that he's just experienced, but through the encouragement of others to put it down on paper so he could help you and I as we seek out to be the leaders that God created us to be. You know, dreams are just a part of it. And that phrase, it's not over, is something that we all have to remember. Thank you, Josh. If you want more information on order in Josh's book, you can go to our show notes. There'll be some links there and also links to Josh's church, the Next Level Church, where he is doing an amazing job leading one of America's greatest churches. When our next episode of Lynch with a Leader, we get to sit down with Jake McKinley. He was hired in 2020 as the minor league pitching coordinator for the Milwaukee Brewers and is the director of player development initiatives. You are going to love his story about his incredible rise through the game of baseball to where he is today. But you're going to love even more his heart for where he is today. 
and how he wants to see God use his gifts and abilities for something bigger than the game of baseball. It's going to be a fun one. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I hope you'll leave a review on iTunes. It really does help other people find their way or share it on one of your social media outlets. Our passion is to help people be the leaders that they were created to be. And I hope we helped you out today as well. Have a great day and go be that leader that God wants you to be. Thank you for listening to the Lynch with a Leader podcast with your host, Mike Lynch. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help more people hear it by subscribing and leaving a review wherever you may be listening. For full episode notes and more spiritual leadership resources, visit MikeLynch.com. 